0: Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Female Footballers Podcast. My name is Cassie Gray. I am your host, and I'm so excited. I have a special guest on with me today, Rachel Wood from summer so- Summit Soccer Academy. Welcome.
1: Thank you. I do that all the time, especially during my summer programming. Summit <laughs> summer programming. It's yeah, it's a tongue twister. <laughs> right. um,
0: but we are so excited to have you on, and we are discussing a very interesting topic today, everybody. Um, to give you a little backstory. In the past two weeks, the Canadian women's national team has been going through a lot. Um, As the reigning Olympic champs were preparing for the She Believes tournament going on now, the players issued a statement saying they had not been paid for all of 2022 and were facing pay equity issues from their federation. The players then put out a statement condemning the federation and motioned to strike and not play in the tournament. The federation then came back and issued their own statement where they considered their strike to be unlawful. If the players didn't return to work, they'd take legal action to collect millions in damages from their players' association. So the Canadian national team played in protest on Thursday against the United States where they wore purple shirts that said enough is enough. And I'll kind of stop there. So we need to really like dive into what exactly occurred. But w- before we get into that, what do you think about all of this?
1: I... You know, we've seen this play out in the United States and I'm one, I'm just proud of the women in Canada for starting this motion and for starting to, you know attack and and publicly sort of protest such a flawed system. Um, I have a friend up there that's a coach who I adore and you know, it sounds like a lot of what's been going on and what's, you know, what we've talked about um, in the US and it's a lot of, you know older white men who control everything and uh, according to her as well you know there's there's a lot of nepotism involved and favoritism um and there's just a lot of politics behind it and not enough you know fairness and systems in place
0: yeah my goodness it's so it's sad because i think that in america we we assume this is only happening to us but in reality i think we're the first to talk about something that's happening everywhere and um yeah and i just think it's it's really, really sad, but to go back, let's go back to the initial, um, what came out, I believe it was Christine Sinclair came out first and my, out of curiosity, did you play with or against her in your career?
1: I did. Um, this is actually a fun story. So my, so I was recruited to the University of Portland. So she was there and Megan Rapinoe were there when I went on my visit, which was like amazing. Um, And then I played against her in the NWSL for three years. And my professional debut actually came um, in Portland and my coach had agreed that we were going to man Mark. And so as a pro in front of 22,000 players, my job was to man Mark Christine Sinclair. (laughs) Awesome. (laughs) It didn't go very well. And, uh, it was like baptism by fire. Um, I thought my pro career was over as soon as it began, but I got to start the next game and we, you know, we continued to progress from there, but, um, no, I mean, she's an absolute legend in the game and to see her one, the fact that she's still playing and is still able to perform at such a high level is insane to me. Um, Mm -hmm. and two, the fact that she's now coming out and really using sort of her experience and her resume and her clout in the game to bring some of these issues forward, I think is, is incredible. And, and, you know, the Canadian players really rallied behind her.
0: Uh, Yeah, that's been my favorite. I actually played against her too. She's my, I think she's my age exactly. And, um, I remember being an ODP playing for the NorCal state team. We'd go to the tournament in, in Oregon every year, the Nike tournament, and we'd play Oregon, Washington and Canada. And she scored i want to say 13 goals in the tournament and 5 in a game on its own and she had such a distinct run even back then with the broad shoulders kind of you know like hunched up and yep. everybody was like who is this girl she was phenomenal and so yeah. i'm also um really happy to see that she's speaking up because that's definitely not her personality my husband went to the university of portland and played there and so he okay. knows it well yep. and he um you know she's fairly quiet she's not like a I don't think she likes to get involved in politics and and be, you know, the face of something like that, but she's really had to in this situation and so I feel for her because it's not easy to be the face um or the messenger for an entire team in something right. like this.
1: Yeah. No, and especially, I mean, I remember that too about her, is, you know, she's really kind of a shy personality and so not only to be able to speak up but to also speak out um and in in protest um is challenging and she, you know, she's taken a brunt the brunt of it. Um, but again, you know, she has such a solid foot to stand on, um, just given everything that she's done. So, you know, she's she's really done this gracefully and and powerfully.
0: Totally. And and I think it was important. Her statement um came out on February 10th, and she was mentioning how um it it was a lot about how she felt. She she this was her quote from her. It hurts, I'm not going to lie, we all represent this country proudly. We've shared some of the greatest moments together, but to not feel that support from your own federation has been hard in the past. It's gotten to a point where at least for me personally, until this is resolved, I can't represent this federation. I'm such a competitor that it breaks my heart and kills me. Like she was really open and vulnerable with how she felt about it, which I think matters from your, your top player in your entire organization.
1: Absolutely. I think it's so hard as a competitor. Um, And, you know, I found this even in coaching when you want it more, Than the people that you're working with, you Uh know, and, and it's really, it can be really frustrating and unfair when you are the one, especially putting in all the work and doing all of the work only to have the people who are in positions of power, not meet you where you're at. Um, Mm -hmm. And it's, it's saddening. It's infuriating. It's, you know, it's all of these different emotions.
0: Mm -hmm. And it really does fall on the people that have been there the longest she's been with this team the longest out of anybody else on that team and you know that's in in our country that's kind of been the case the 99ers took the brunt of the initial you know frustrations and I think as women you get um a lot of backlash for that I mean even us in our position right now having gone through the system collegiately professionally we're older now we have our own kids and we're speaking out on it because it's still not where it needs to be and then you get backlash for kind of complaining or being negative or, or whatnot, but like, who else is going to do it? These young girls who are trying to make a name for themselves aren't in a position to kind
1: of discuss it, you know? Well, and that's just it. And, you know, we've talked about this before with Meredith, which is like, you know, the fear of repercussion. Uh Um, And in someone who's trying to build a career, you you don't want to speak out because then your career is over. Right. So it's kind of on, it's on us or the veterans or the people who have been in it the longest, um, who have already either had that career or who, who are in a position where you're not afraid of repercussions to be able to speak out on behalf of those who can't yet. Totally.
0: So unfortunately, after she speaks out and says, you know, there, we haven't been paid for all of 2022, which is which also is, insane, yeah. right?
1: Like- <laughs> how, and and that's what I don't understand. And I'm not claiming to be an expert on this, but I don't understand how, how the Federation can then take a class action out on them when they haven't legally been paid for work that they've done.
0: Yeah. And I don't understand. Well, I mean, I guess it makes most sense to bring it up now when they have the attention during a tournament, but Mm -hmm. like, how would they not said anything in all of 2022 when they haven't been paid? You know, that's, and maybe there had been articles within you know in canada that we didn't see i don't know but you know maybe it was smart of them to wait till this moment and get the type of attention they're getting just to make a bigger you know conversation about it but that was baffling and then it was pretty unprecedented that the federation comes back with their own statement that did not happen here when our women um stood out so the canadian women's national team came back uh the with a statement basically um Saying that they told them um, to consider that they need to consider their job action to be unlawful. They told the girls that if they did not return to work and did not commit to playing in the game against the United States, they would not only take legal action to force them back on the pitch, but would consider taking steps to collect what could be millions of dollars in damages from their players association and from each of the individual players currently in camp. Um, I'm baffled that they were
1: ballsy enough to do that. Right. Yeah, I agree. I was almost hoping that the U.S. would forfeit the game against Canada mm-hmm. um, as as a sign of solidarity and, you know, to really make a statement that says we we support them. I understand that they played the game in protest, but I think it would have been very powerful um, to show that. Yeah. we. Them. and I know that there there are a lot of things that go into this right obviously and again you know it is a business right so all of those tickets and things like that like we needed for our federation um but it would have been very very impactful I was really happy though to see that we did have that moment of solidarity at the beginning of the game
0: mm-hmm. um,
1: and,
0: and I was happy to see that they came in with shirts they wore purple that said enough is enough and for those of you who don't know purple is kind of a a color that's known for gender equality, which is actually why here at Female Footballers, we chose purple is one of the main reasons. Uh, that's one of our colors for the same reason, but it was nice to see that they had some of that. I mean, in training up until that point, they had been taping over their Federation's logo. And if you saw yep. pictures of that too. Yep. Oh, just so hard. So yeah, that moment was important. They all gathered in the middle of the field, arms around each other and were locked and kind of had a moment. Um, tell us that you watched some of that game, Did it seem like they just weren't at their best or do you think that we just looked way better or do you, you know, did, do you think that them losing had anything to do with what's going on?
1: So there, there are a couple of things. First and foremost is I had to watch that the, um, the moment of solidarity of them coming together, um, on replay because I was not able to find the game originally, right? So we talk about gender equity and, and equality and promoting women's sports. And, you know, I have the talk to remote. I have pretty much everything that, that one could need, right? I've got, you know, YouTube TV and, and all of these things and streaming. And it took me about 10 to 15 minutes to be able to find the game. And once I found the game, um, it was only available to me in Spanish on Peacock, um, I don't subscribe to HBO Max. So, so the fact that I had to pay extra to watch it in English um, is significant as well. I think, you know, I think a lot of people felt like, okay, yes, we do have HBO Max, so it's fine. But, you know, when you, when you think about all of these subscription services and things like that, the fact that we have to pay to watch this tournament, whereas you can find men's programming on, on every, channel and cable and everything like that. And we couldn't get a partnership to put it on basic cable. Um Seems very interesting to me.
0: It's so frustrating it's too. Incredible. Like as a um, a mom and a, a former teacher, like it's crazy to me that when I work with kids and even girls, I had a clinic this week with girls. Like when you ask girls who their favorite players are, they're still mentioning Messi, Ronaldo, all the big names on the men's side. Because they can find those players on every channel. It's on in their house, no matter what channel you turn to. And it's not because those players are better or the best or whatnot. Christine Sinclair is actually the yeah. highest scoring player in all, of all time, yep. and you can't even find the channel to watch her. I think that's baffling, and I think it's it says a lot about equity within the sport in general. And it's like, yes, we need to make money as women. Yes, we we do have to figure out ways to do that, but why is it that it's so hard to find? You know, I think that's crazy and I I do subscribe to HBO Max, but not it wasn't because of soccer that lucked out. If if I were in your role where I don't know that I would just go and buy it just so I could watch women's soccer because I think I'd be frustrated. It's the same reason why and this sounds horrible. Meg Linehan is one of my favorite um writers, but like I do get to that point where i get frustrated when the athletic you start to read an article and then you realize oh crap it's the athletic because they then cut you off after you've read two sentences because you have to subscribe to that and it's that same feeling like shouldn't we have access to all of this if we want to really know what's going on and promote the game and I, I i'm with you i think it's super frustrating and we have to figure out ways to to monetize this differently and still have the funding for the women and growing the sport i mean I get a whole tangent on like the marketing side of it too. Do you know how hard it is to find a Jersey? Like, I mean, all of that kind of stuff too. So, but I mean, so once you found it, which is ridiculous that it took that long, you're watching it then just in Spanish.
1: Yes. Um, and I actually took to Instagram as well and asked people, I was like, am I, can I just not find it? Like, is it, is it in English? Because I don't trust myself with technology these days. And everyone was like, no, like I could only find it in Spanish or, you know, you had to subscribe to HBO max. Um, so I did, <laughs> I double checked my work on that one. So once I found it though, you know, um, here's what I learned in, in playing professionally is that if there's stuff going on off the field, it's really hard to perform at your best on the field. Um, And I think we saw that, especially with the second goal that the U S scored, right. It just silly mistakes of, you know, not looking up, playing the ball across the box instead of back to your keeper. Um, And again, I don't think that that's, you know, she was actively thinking about what was going on off the field in that moment. But when things are unsettled outside of soccer, life is not a vacuum, right? It's like, you can't just compartmentalize and go out and play. And, and yes, I get that. That's what professionals are. And that's what we have to do sometimes. Um, but we're also human. And so when there's so much unrest and right, you're, pa- you're playing and you're being forced to play, you're not, you're not going to play at your best. Um, so I think that, you know, Canada, I think that they competed well um, and they played, the to the best of their ability but they're not going to be able to play at 100 percent. and you know this is something that i tell my players all the time right your your best looks different every day and so maybe on that day that was canada's best but their best is not going to be their best of all time because of everything else going on off the field
0: and the last matchup between those two teams that i can remember in, in a large way was the olympic final and i think that was um or just the olympics i think that was really telling of where we were at mentally you know we had so much going on the united Mm -hmm. states did during that time which is why we didn't perform to our the best of our ability in that tournament because there was so much going on um within our federation within the mental health of all the players with covid and everything like that and so i hundred percent agree i was that type of player if things were Going well for me outside of soccer. I played well. Mallory Pugh or Swanson is the perfect example of that. You know, the girl's on fire right now. She's she's happy for the first time. You know, they. I don't know if you guys all missed the articles that Just Women Sports did on her about six months ago, but they really detailed her journey and how when she first came out, all the pressures were on her. She wasn't paying attention, playing okay, and then it caught up to her when she fell out of the national team and she did very poorly. And she had to go see a sports psychologist and really work on the mental side of her game. She found her her spot again. She just got married. She's like in a good place and now she's on fire. I think that's a perfect example.
1: Yeah, and I think, you know, again, this gets back to a lot of what we've we've talked about, which is the emotional side of things and the mental side of things is so important and something that we don't place any emphasis on here. It's like you show up, you have to be a robot, get out there and play. And, and we see this from our youth all the way, all the way to the national team levels right coaches are still just coaching the x's and o's and not coaching people and you know we're still yelling at kids when they've had a bad day at school and they come to practice and they don't have a good practice like mm-hmm. you know and you see it all the way up to the professional level which is you know if you're not happy outside of soccer you can't be your best in the sport and and i'm 100 a living i feel like living proof of that um You know, when I was playing pro, I was really depressed and unhappy and I never looking back on it now, I never played to my fullest potential because of that.
0: Yeah, no, I would agree. Same. I had each year of my college career was different based on what I was going through mentally and emotionally outside of the sport. And I think it's, it's huge. I mean, my husband too, having played in MLS, I remember, um, he was struggling and he was playing for Chicago for four years. The last year of his time in Chicago he was kind of struggling um, just with like playing time and living there. And he was missing home and he got traded to the earthquakes, uh, which is where we're from here in San Jose. And his first game with earthquakes, he scored a goal from the, you know, right back position, which just on fire. And it was, you know, the newspaper interviewed him at that time. And he was just like, I'm around all my friends and family and I'm so happy. And, it just plays a huge role and so it's really it's really frustrating um to to see this happening with the Canadian team you know it's just unfortunate so then they you know they lose the game and then they went into this uh the second game against Brazil and I know they won they kind of came back to show and prove that they were doing well but what do you think should go on from here how do you think this is going to play out
1: Honestly, what I'm hoping is that, you know, if they don't get the support up there, that we're able to step in in solidarity and share what we've done down here in order to get success for them up there. Um, You know, we've talked about this before, which is we're stronger together. Um, And I think the more we can band together for the greater good of yes, them getting paid, but, but overall it's it's women's equality, right? It, it's such a bigger issue. Um, and I think, you know, the more we can help each other out and, and continue this fight, um, and hopefully get success for them, right? Then hopefully we start to see this happening in other countries, whether it be Brazil or Mexico. Um, cause again, those are also federations that don't treat their women's teams well.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, every, I, I can't really think of a, a league or a country that does. I, I know that yeah. sounds really horrible. And like I said before, I think I, I get really frustrated because I want to have these conversations, but I, I do get pushback. And I don't know if you do too, from people being like, you're always bringing up the negative and blah, blah, but it's not good enough. And it's not okay. And we're the ones that are outside of it now that can have a voice for these girls that are in it that can't, you know, yep. even at the collegiate level, all the things that go on and youth levels with the abuse and emotional stuff that we talked about a couple of podcast episodes ago. It's just there has to be somebody voicing it for in support of them. And with the Canadian women, there are so many amazing players on that team. And their program has grown exponentially in the last five years. And it's been so cool to see, especially Sinclair, as somebody who's like a peer of mine, really see her get the credit that was due to win the the gold medal in the Olympics. I was so happy for them. Yep. Just knowing that all those women have had to come down here to play. They don't even have a professional league up there. Right. I mean, it's just crazy to me that, you know, we make these huge strides and then you think about it in context and you're like, wait a minute, how are we, it's the same thing you mentioned with the TV. It's like, how are we still not able to find the channel? This is insane. Yeah.
1: yeah. Oh,
0: it's so frustrating.
1: And it was like the only time it's funny too, because I was thinking about this, like the only time I could find it like in English was like on a replay at 2am. Yeah of course something like it's just yeah it's 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 just crazy to me
0: totally and I think we're at the beginning cusp of like a lot of change like I'm excited about that I know with the NWSL expansion possibly I know you're in Boston and I'm in San Jose so we're in the two areas where they're looking to expand and the money the numbers are huge which is exciting like the directions are positive but it's just crazy to me that they're still having to deal with this so I'll be, I will hope that they do come to an agreement that these girls get paid what they deserve, obviously, um, that they go on to do very well in the World Cup. I mean, I hope we win the World Cup, but maybe they can come in second. I don't know, but you know, just, I do hope they do well and they make it far to prove to their federation that they are deserving, but you shouldn't even have to win to show you're deserving, just have equality. I think that's the frustrating part. Yep. And I do hope that the people watching these games and all of this unfold, reflect that these women can't have equality and play at their best and all of that when they've grown up in a system that doesn't set them up for that success. And I hope that people are able to realize that all of these these age brackets, whether you're youth, college, or pro, they are connected. And when we just look at the top and try to fix it, that is a corrective measure when we shouldn't be having to do corrective measures, we should be doing constructive things throughout their time, rather than get to the top and have to correct everything, like sopping a Band-Aid on.
1: Yeah, I mean, it really comes from a healthy foundation. And I think, I mean, I know we're definitely still missing that um, here in the States. And it sounds like up there too, I don't know how their youth program works and things like that, but it, it really sounds like, you know, from, from the ground up, we need to rebuild.
0: Mm-hmm. I mean, I have one of our mentors in female footballers is from New Brunswick, Canada. And she, um, you know, she came here for better opportunities because she can, you know, make a name for herself much more here as a coach. And she plays pro beach soccer. Then there's, there's just a lot less opportunities in Canada for women and especially where she's from. So, um, you know, I just I love I, I hope that. My other hope is this, and, and this is a whole nother topic we don't have to get you know into right now, but I I do hope that the women on our national team and Canada's national team who are at the end of their careers, you know, the Rapinos, the Sinclairs, those type of women, I hope that when they're done, they capitalize on ways to help with these issues and not just because one of my concerns is right now with the name image likeness aspect of, of women's sports. It's important that they have those avenues, but my concern is that it becomes so individualized and it's so much about the individual people and their their fame in a way mm-hmm. that they they miss out on how to use their name in a really impactful way for the system. And I think that's where, you know, people look at Megan Rapinoe and they think she's all for the glory and all that kind of stuff, but I'll be really curious to see what she chooses to do. When she's done and same with Sinclair I would hope that Sinclair gets into kind of a parlo role up in Canada where she can really make those changes but I don't know if that's her her game that's her interest you know but I think that's what's really hard about women's sports is a, a lot of the women go away from the game because they're so grossed out by all that they dealt with they want nothing to do with it
1: but it's well, exactly we're also traumatized from it right it's like why would you want to go back and actively walk into the trauma that you've been suffering for mm-hmm. for so long um and i think you know i'm actually really excited to see what megan rapino does yes i think she gets that rap for like you know wanting fame and glory but the work that she's done both you know in terms of women's equity and plus work um with her and her fiance sue bird um they're really you know impactful and conscious women um who are actively seeking and fighting these battles um and I love how outspoken she is um so I'm going to be really excited to see kind of how that how that plays out once she's done playing
0: totally and I think that's where um like even a Carly Lloyd I I, I'm I don't know the direction she's going in either, but I haven't seen that in the first year of her retirement. And that kind of bums me out a little bit just because I feel like when you, you know, I and I also understand needing some time. Like I, I finished my career and, and then took time and jumped into my husband's life for a while. And then obviously I had kids and stuff and came back to starting female footballers, realizing that like changes aren't going to be made unless people actually do. I mean, you got to sometimes be the person you know, be the change you wish to see, and I think that some of these women, like the Ninety-Niners, um, you know, some of them have really gone in that direction, and some you never heard from again. So teach their own, but those big names, especially Canadian women, I'll be interested to see which some of them end up working within the federation, like we have some of our women to make those changes, and I really hope they do, whether it's a coaching role or, um, you know, what whatever kind of role. I don't know.
1: And it's you know, these fights are big and overwhelming and long and there's you know there's a huge emotional burnout too right when you go and you're playing for so long and you're in that survival mode as is right and then you i mean cuz cuz i felt this even just kind of you know doing the small things that i've done i feel the weight of the burnout or the, or the weight of how is this ever going to change, you know, and that can be really, that can be draining and can really take the wind out of your sails as well. So it's great to see that more of us, you know, are starting to speak up and to talk about it. And again, like I said earlier, you know, there's, there's so much more strength in numbers. Mm -hmm. Um, and so, you know, when one of us gets tired, the other ones can continue to carry that. Um, and I think that we're going to start to see that with, with some of them, um, but again, it does take a certain type of personality. And I, I, it takes a certain type of personality to, to get to that elite level anyways. Right. But then there are different types of personalities in that, um, who are then going to want to continue to, to work and to fight for the injustice that's taken place.
0: Totally. And I think like, uh, I know you and I both are moms and I think that's kind of where it changed for me. It's like, I I went away and I was like, yeah, it's not not a part of me anymore and then I had my kids and my daughter especially and I was like oh wait like yeah. who's gonna fight for her if I don't who's gonna try yeah. to help her get better opportunities if I don't and I think that's I hope that some of these women you know like an Alex Morgan who has a, a daughter now like you would think that the more of these women who start to watch their own kids choose the sport or you want to have a relationship with your kid within the sport of some kind yeah. It is going to make you want to to fight for better for them, but you know I I do hope I I really hope that this goes in the direction we all hope it does, which is these women get paid, um, that they you know they get treated equally, all of the things, and and that they are able to thrive after this. But we'll st- I guess we'll stay tuned and we'll see where it goes from here, and we'll have to come back on and chat about you know what happens as a result of the she believes we're in the middle of it right now. It's almost over and. Um, and we'll see. So
1: I was going to say, we'll have to do a part two once some of the stuff gets resolved.
0: Yes, definitely. Absolutely. Um, well, thank you so much for being on and giving your, your two cents about it. I love talking to you about all these things. And I think those of you listening to the podcast, um, make sure you give us some feedback, you know, go on, rate it, um, give us some responses to what you think about this situation. We like to come on and make sure that we discuss current events within the sport because it truly affects all aspects of our youth and our college game as well. And so we want to make sure that if you can't see those connections that, that we bring them up for you. So thank you so much, Rachel. Go, you guys go check out Summit Soccer Academy. Um, and uh, thanks so much for your time today.
1: Awesome. Thanks for having me on again. It's always a pleasure. Yeah, for sure.